Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Welcome to Jesus the Healer. We're so glad you joined us today. And listen, I encourage you, get hold of your Bible, get a notebook, get a pen, follow along with us and expect something today from God. Release your faith. We're in an intimate setting here with some friends of ours and we've come to feast on the word with you. So we invite you in, join along with us and uh, believe God for what you need in this day to be met. Amen. We've been taking the last several weeks and we're teaching what we call healing school. We're taking the 19 individual cases of healing recorded under Jesus's earthly ministry and we're breaking them down line by line, verse by verse. And we're studying it because if we do what they did, we get what they got. And so not only that, Healing is part of our covenant. We want to become skillful with it. We want to gain knowledge of how to receive healing for ourselves, but also how to minister healing to others. And that's not just for the minister to do. The Someone who stands in the fivefold office or the pastor, they're not the only ones that can minister healing. The word says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So that is an assignment for every single believer. And so we have to have knowledge. We have to be skillful with that knowledge, doers of it, knowing how to apply it. So that's what we're doing in these uh, in these teachings is we're having healing schools. So we want you take notes, follow along with us, follow along in your Bible. As we're sitting under the teaching of the word, you can be healed right where you're at. You don't have to work, wait for someone to lay hands on you. You know, there's an anointing on the word and the anointing destroys the yoke. Isaiah tells us that. So while you're sitting there and listening to the teaching of the word, you can receive healing right where you're at or any need met when you release your faith for it. Turn with us, if you would, to Mark chapter 7. We're going to read verses 31 through 37, and I'm going to read out of the Amplified Translation. And uh, this is the passage of the healing of the deaf and dumb man. So this man couldn't hear and he couldn't speak. And so we see in Mark chapter 7, verse 31, it says, Soon after this, Jesus, coming back from the region of Tyre, passed through Sidon on to the Sea of Galilee through the region of Decapolis. And that would be comprised of 10 different cities. Verse 32, and they brought to Jesus a man who was deaf and had difficulty in speaking. And they begged Jesus to place his hand upon him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, Jesus thrust his fingers into the man's ears and spat and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed as he said, which means be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak distinctly as he should. And Jesus, in his own interest, admonished and ordered them sternly and expressly to tell no one. But the more he commanded them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were overwhelmingly astonished, saying, He has done everything excellently, commendably, and nobly. 
He even makes the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. So let's go back to verse 32 and let's start studying in detail. Verse 32 says, they brought to him a man who was deaf, had difficulty in speaking, and they begged Jesus to place his hand upon him. So in this passage, we see others are a part of this man's healing in the sense of, first of all, they're interested that this man get help. Right? These are people of compassion. They're interested in someone else. We need to be interested that others receive what they need from God. So these people that brought this man to Jesus, notice this, they must have heard something about Jesus. Otherwise, they wouldn't have known to bring him to Jesus. And they must have heard that he was a healer. Why? Because they brought a sick man. (laughs) Not too hard to figure out. They must have heard or seen something of Jesus' healing ministry. So we see something that this man had something special around him. What was that? People who expected in his behalf. People who longed for something for him. Now, when we look at the account of blind Bartimaeus, we see that he was not surrounded by people who wanted something for him. When blind Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was coming down the highway, he started calling out to him. And the people were so annoyed by that, they told him to shut up. They told him to be quiet. So this deaf and, and uh, dumb man has a, a, an ability, or let's say a blessing around him in the sense that He's got, he's got people that are interested in his welfare. Yes. We need to be interested in the welfare yes. of others. Yes. And it also shows it matters who you have around you. Right. It matters. What if those who brought this crowd, these, these people who brought this man to Jesus, what if they would have heard or seen something of Jesus' healing ministry and said, I don't believe it? Uh-huh. Yeah. And if they would have mocked it? made fun of it because there are certainly people who did. There are certainly people who didn't expect anything from Jesus. They, they attacked him. They mocked him. What if this would have been the company that this man had around him? It would have affected the outcome of his life. And so it matters that you don't keep your life. You don't keep those close into your life who mock the things of God, who speak light of them. It matters that they have an honor for the things of God because one day you may need their assistance. One day you may need their faith. And couldn't we say that these people were spending their faith? I mean, they expected something in behalf of this man or they wouldn't have brought him, right? So it also shows it matters what you hear. These people heard something and it matters what you hear. The reason is, is because what you hear is what you'll believe. If you listen to something negative long enough, you'll start believing it. But if you listen to the right thing long enough, you'll start believing it. Amen. So they brought this man who was, they were interested in this man's life. They brought him to Jesus and they begged Jesus to place his hand upon him. Now notice evidently they had heard about that or seen that. 
that Jesus would lay his hands on the sick. Did he always? Well, this is one valid way of ministering. But there are several valid ways of ministering. You know, you can just speak the word. And uh, so those of you who are not present with us here in this room, I can't reach you to touch my, put my hand on you, but that's not the only way to receive healing. There's other ways. You can just, you can just hear the word taught and believe it and receive it. You can speak the word for yourself and receive it. Verse 33 says that here they brought this man to Jesus and it says, and Jesus taking him aside from the crowd privately. So we see this word crowd. It wasn't a crowd that brought the man. It was some brought him. But evidently there was a gathering of other people. So Jesus, we get the idea that more than just those who had brought Jesus, brought this man to Jesus, were there. So Jesus takes him aside from those that were present. Why would he do this? Well, we could see possibly two things. Someone can bring you to Jesus. Someone can tell you about Jesus. Someone can bring you to church. Someone can bring you to the word. But once you're brought, now it's between you and Jesus. (laughs) People can't do all your believing for you. People can assist you. They can encourage you. They can bring the truth to you. But when it comes to down to it, it matters what you have, what you believe about Jesus, what you expect from Jesus. It's between it's between this man and Jesus. It's not between the crowd and, and Jesus. So others may believe with you, but ultimately you're going to have to have your own faith as well. You're going to have to believe something. You can't just approach God and approach the word, approach church services and have inactive faith. Believe something. Now, another reason. So that's one reason why Jesus could have taken it because Jesus recognized, hey, people helped you get here. But what do you think? What do you believe? I need to hear what you will receive. I need to know. It's between you and me. But another reason Jesus maybe would have taken the man aside is that there's a crowd there. (laughs) And sometimes people in a crowd are not there expecting. They're just there observing. They're there speculating. They're there analyzing. People gather for different reasons around where God is moving. (laughs) And uh, so... Possibly he's thinking, get him away from a crowd just because if someone is there that is not there in faith, there'll be a hindrance. And this man doesn't need a hindrance. (laughs) And so in a crowd, you're going to have several different systems of believing going on. Some may believe exactly what they see Jesus doing and what they hear him saying, but others may be there. Uh, mocking. You you don't know. There's just a, a several different systems. You know, Kenneth Hagin was our spiritual father, and he would talk about how it was always easier to get he- people healed in a small group than in a big group of people. Why does it? It, it, it is is the power of God affected? No, but the people's faith is affected. God can move in a big crowd or a small crowd, but 
in a big crowd, you don't have all believers. You don't have everyone who's believing the right thing. They may be Christians, but they may not all be believing the right thing. And therefore it can be a hindrance as a blockage, so to speak, to the power of God flowing as fully as God wants it to flow. Setting this, this lets us know settings affect faith. Settings you're in can affect faith. I don't know if you've ever tried to minister to someone, minister healing to someone who's in a hospital. That setting is not the most faith charged setting because uh, many times that atmosphere is charged with fear, charged with unbelief. You can walk into some locations and you can sense the negative atmosphere of it in the sense of it. Words of fear are spoken. Words of doubt are spoken and it just seems to be charged with unbelief. Can God move there? Sure, but it affects the people's faith, that atmosphere. It's not about can God do it? It's what will the people in that atmosphere believe? And so you have to wonder, is Jesus protecting this man's miracle by getting him away from a setting where maybe not everyone in that crowd is believing? So when you need a miracle, it matters who you surround yourself with. It, it, will, affect, it will affect you and your, your faith and what you'll, you can receive. We see this in the the miracle with Jairus's daughter. Yes. Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue and his daughter died. She was 12 years old. He, he asked Jesus to come to his home and uh, minister to her. And he says, you lay your hands on her and she'll be healed. So Jairus had faith. Yes, he, did. he had faith. And uh, so Jesus went with him. Jesus always goes with faith. Amen. He always goes with faith. Always. Power always moves with faith. Always. And so um, when Jesus walked into Jairus' house, of course, by the time they had reached Jairus' home, the daughter had died. So people were there weeping. Well, they loved the family. They loved the girl, but they're weeping. And they're charging the atmosphere yes. Yes. with the fear, yes. the doubt, yeah. the, the grief, yes. the sorrow of that moment. And Jesus and Jairus come in and Jesus has got to change the atmosphere yes. if he's going to get a miracle. So he puts those out who were weeping and grieving. Why? Because life walked in. Life moved into the house. And and uh, so now he's got to have an atmosphere conducive to the flow of life. And that is you've got to put doubt out. You've got to put unbelief out. You've got to put well-meaning loved ones out. They may love you, but that doesn't mean they're believing God. And uh, sometimes weeping loved ones can rob a miracle from someone in need. Yes. Oh, so true. 
you need believing loved ones. And if they're not going to believe with you, you know, we love, we love our family. We love those near to us, but just find those in your life who you can go to when you need believers around you, right? That should be found in your local church. And so, uh, it matters what the setting is. It matters what the atmosphere is. And so I say this, that this probably had something to do with why Jesus went aside and took this man aside from the crowd because he's protecting this man's miracle. Now you say, well, everyone that would have come to Jesus, weren't they there because they were expecting something? Yeah, they might have been expecting to watch him fail. Not everybody there is your advocate, you know? Now think about it. Just because there's a big crowd doesn't mean there's a lot of believing going on. You can have a big crowd and not a lot of believing going on. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? It said she pressed through the crowd. There's a, there is a multitude there. But she's the only one that got healed in a multitude. Why? She's the only one believing. Large numbers don't mean large numbers of believers. Amen. You have to be believing something. So just because there's a crowd and they came to be around Jesus, that doesn't mean they're believing what he's saying. Amen. So verse 33 of this passage and said, and taking him aside from the crowd privately, he thrust his fingers into the man's ears. My husband had a healing anointing for ears. Jesus himself told him, put your fingers in their ears and call out those deaf spirits. So you'd see my husband, when he would minister to the sick, he would put his fingers in the people's ears and speak to those deaf spirits to come out. And this is what Jesus did. He put his fingers in the man's ears. And you say, well, that's not very hygienic. The man needs healing. <laughs> Let's talk about something else not very hygienic. Yeah. <laughs> it says he thrust his fingers into the man's ears and then he spat yeah. and touched his tongue. So evidently Jesus spits on his finger and touches the man's tongue. People say, well, I wouldn't let him do that. If you wanted healing bad enough, you would. There's a lot of things people put in their mouths. There's a lot of wrong things people put in their mouths. Put in the thing that's going to work healing. Put the right thing on your tongue. Put the word on your tongue. So Jesus didn't always minister this way. Not every case would he use this same method. Well, why did he do it here? Evidently, he's following the Spirit. Just do what the Spirit says. People say, well, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. Just do what the Spirit says. It's obedience that creates an atmosphere for miracles. So when the Spirit tells us to do something and we obey that, then we have now created an atmosphere for God to work. So Jesus is obeying, no doubt, how the Spirit is leading him to minister to this man. I I doubt they saw this in the synagogue. (laughs) Right? I doubt they saw the ears and the fingers. I doubt that they saw him spit on their finger and then touch their tongue. I doubt that. But it doesn't matter. 
Do you want your miracle or not? Yeah. Do you want it or not? Yeah. Amen. We, we're not, it's not appropriate and it's not right for us to decide that we're going to tell God how to minister our healing to us. You don't direct him. You're, we're the ones in need. We follow his lead. We don't get in the lead and try to use him. He's, we're to yield to him so he can use us. Amen. <laughs> so we know this, there are diverse ways that the spirit will have you have a minister to, to minister to others. And you, whenever you're out ministering to those that come across your path, one day you may see, you know, you may sense to minister to somebody by just sharing words with them. Another time you may say, may I, may I pray for you? There are other ways. Just follow what's in your heart and don't, don't try to put a formula on how you minister to people. Uh, the Holy Ghost has diverse ways. Amen. Verse 34, it's such an important phrase that we see in this next verse. After he puts his, Jesus puts his fingers in the man's ears, and after he touches the man's tongue, it says this, and he looked up to heaven. When you're ministering to the sick, it matters where you're looking. Yes. Very good. It matters where you're looking. Jesus looked up to heaven, denoting his attention and his focus was on God and not on this man. He looked away from the man who needed a miracle to see the God of miracles. Your faith works when your attention is on God. Not when your attention is on the need. Not when your attention is on the need, but when your attention is on God. Can I tell you what the faith life is a captured attention. You have disciplined your attention. If you're going to be a person of faith, you must discipline your attention. You can't just let it think about anything, say anything it wants, uh, go anywhere it wants. You are, you have tight rein on your thought life. You have tight rein on your words. If you're going to be a person with strong faith, And a faith that gets results, you have to have a disciplined attention. Why? Because your life is going to be filled with seeing wrong things. Where are you going to look? Where are you going to look? Every person that was sick that came to Jesus displayed the wrong thing. Every time Jesus looked, he saw sickness. Right? He saw these people, the multitudes that would come to him. If he was going to focus on them and see the multitude sick, he didn't. He looked up to heaven. Amen. I love something that a minister, an English preacher by the name of Smith Wigglesworth, not an easy name to say, but Smith Wigglesworth. He talked about an experience when he was called to the bedside of a woman who was dying on one occasion. He said she looked the very picture of death. Her, she had lost all the weight. He said she looked like she was moments from death. He had been called to pray for her along with about five or six other Christians. One by one, they took turns praying for her. The other ones would pray, oh God, comfort the husband. Another one would pray, oh God, comfort the children. 
And Smith Wigglesworth is standing there thinking to himself, oh God, shut them up. <laughs> because when you're, when you need a miracle, they already had her buried. They had her buried. And when Smith Wigglesworth, when it came for his time to pray, he had a vision and he saw the face of Jesus above her bed and he spoke healing to her. And she was raised up. The power of God came on her, raised her up. And those that had been in the room afterwards said to him, when we prayed, she didn't get healed. Why did she get healed when you prayed? He said, it's easy. He said, you prayed looking at the dying woman. I prayed looking at Jesus. Where you look determines what's going to flow. And it's, these are very important words when it says he looked up to heaven. Jesus looked up to heaven. We have to remember this. Even Jesus had to have his attention on the right thing. Yes. Not only this, he made this statement in John 14, 10. Jesus said, the father that dwelleth in me, he does the works. Mm -hmm. Jesus wasn't looking at himself to do this. He was looking at the one and focusing and reminding himself of the one who was going to do the work. So Jesus held his gaze and attention on the one doing the healing. Listen, you can't heal anybody, but you can, you can look at the one who heals. You can talk about the one who heals. You can talk to the one who heals. God doesn't need you healing. He's the one that'll do the healing. Jesus will heal. Jesus is the healer. God's healing power will flow. He just needs you to have enough faith to say it. He needs you to have enough faith to look the right direction. Amen. If we are to receive our answers to our needs, we can't focus on the need. We have to focus on the one who meets the need. Can I tell you this? We're told in Mark eleven twenty three, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Notice this. Talk to the mountain. Don't talk about the mountain. Notice this. Look. Don't. Don't focus on the mountain. Focus on the mountain mover. Oh, yes. And that is, you talk to the mountain while you're looking at the mountain mover. Amen. You don't talk to the, you don't talk to the mountain with your eyes on the mountain. You talk to the mountain with your eyes on the mountain mover. And so verses 34 and 35 said, in looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephetha which means be opened and his ears were opened and his tongue was loosed and he began to speak, to speak distinctly. I love this. And as he should, everyone should be able to hear. Everyone should be able to speak distinctly. Everyone that belongs to God should amen. Be healed. Hallelujah. Notice, uh, he spoke to the man's ears to be open. He didn't cast out any devils. He didn't cast out any evil spirits if there would have been one. He just spoke what he what spoke for him to be whole. Amen. Verse 36. And Jesus in his own interest admonished and ordered them sternly and expressly, tell no one. But the more he commanded them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. 
So Jesus already had large crowds, right? Yeah. He was he was wanting to be able to reach people. He wasn't just wanting the general public to come. He was wanting believe, believing yes. people to come. Yes. Amen. Right. Hallelujah. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.